We start a new series today that I'm really excited about. In the next 20 minutes or so, I'm going to share with you a principle. You see the guy with the watch looking at his watch? And the question for this month is how long has God been waiting on you? Is God waiting on you is really the technical title. Is God waiting on you? And the question is, how long is he waiting? Now, how many of you waited for somebody before? How many loathe waiting? When you get there and they're not ready, you just get coming. Didn't we talk about this, right? In our story today, in this month, we're going to cover four sermons. And then there's a special treat we have on Fifth Sunday for the for the young folks. Uh, Fifth Sunday is our youth Sunday. We'll be in the building, by the way, Fifth Sunday. And um, there is a powerful uh, principle that I believe this whole month will teach you. In, in the Bible, it is often overlooked how long God waited for us. Sometimes we're saying, God, I'm waiting on you. But in reality, God is the one waiting on you. God is not unaware that you have deadlines. Some of you want to be married, but God said, you ain't ready yet. So based on that, he decided to, guess what? Make you wait. Repeat the topics with me, please, for the month. Say, waiting for me to be ready. Waiting for me to manage my distractions. Waiting for me to tell the truth. <laughs> and waiting for me to receive God's best. It's my argument today that sometimes God is waiting for you. Waiting for you waiting for you to get ready, get past things. And next week we'll talk about that, distractions in your life. You love that man more than you love God. You, you love money more than you love God. You love whatever more than you love God. And God is saying, you know, I'm really waiting for you to get past that. Once you get past the distractions of anger or insecurity or frustration, I can bless you. That's what the last sermon in the series is about. How does God get you from here to there? It's one of my big questions in life. How does God advance my life if he can't get me to stop doing fill in the blanks? Drinking. He's waiting for you to realize how much this is affecting your life. Your addictions to certain things, certain people. Waiting for your temperament to calm down because he can't put you in charge of people because anytime you're angry, you're out of control. And so it's a distraction in your life. It hinders your ability to advance. You won't tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I want to say this, and I'm going to jump on it and off of it. In our politics, sometimes they lie right in front of your face. And I want to say, now, didn't you just say you were not going to do that, and then you did it? I'm just confused. But see, sometimes God says, see, you're still lying. And as long as you lie, I am not able to bless you. The truth is hard. One of the things about being videoed all the time is I get to see myself, my clothes, my head, everything. And one thing about the video is it don't, don't lie. You either gained it or you didn't gain it. 
I used to get on the camera, people. I said, all right, don't shoot that angle now. <laughs> I need you, need you to watch out. Don't go that way. Go this way. Get the good, get the, get the good side. But the truth is, I'm all those sides. Come on, say, tell the truth. Tell the truth. That's the only way you're going to get to God's best. The only way you're going to get to God's best in your life is you can tell the truth. I tend to be fill in the blank. Once you do that, everything changes. I want to tell you about a guy in the Bible who illustrates this. His name is Abraham. And Abraham was an incredible guy that God had a vision for, a promised land he wanted to take him to. But he couldn't get him there for 75 years. Now, I want you to listen to this carefully. It took 75 years to get him to start. I mean, ready, set, go. It took 75 years. This was a guy who was hindered. And what's interesting is one of the reasons he couldn't go is because he demand, it was, in his mind, his family had to go with him. See, God has a plan for your life, but some of you will never get there because you need certain people to go with you. And, and, and the bottom line was, no, they're not qualified to go. 75 years. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Now, I'm going to work through, starting in chapter 11 of Genesis, verse 26. Now, I'm going to work through this pretty quick, and there's four or five things I want you to notice, first of all, just, just to understand the setting. Abraham had a father whose name was Terah, starting in Genesis, chapter 11, verse 26. Terah had lived 70 years. And at 70 years old, his father, Abraham's father, decided to have children. Now, by the time you're 70, you should be about ready. <laughs> he had three sons, Abram, or Abraham as we know him, Nahor, and Haran. Say them names. Come on, say it. Abram, Nahor, and Haran, those three. Now, Haran, Abraham's brother, had a son. Now, you know his son. His son is famous. His name was Lot. Verse 27 of chapter 11 of Genesis says, this is the, this is the, the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran, Haran became the father of Lot. Verse 28. While his father Terah was still alive, sadly to say, Abram's brother, Abraham's brother, Haran, died in the Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, you know that today as a place that's commonly uh, known today in the Middle East. And the Bible says in the land of his birth, here was a guy, here was a guy who was fighting, living, working in this incredible place called Ur. Abram and Naboth both married, the name of his, Abram's wife was Sarah. The name of Nahum's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Jabosh. Now, this is the part of the Bible you stop reading. But if you read it slow, Abram and his brother, Nahor, his brother, got married. So there's two sons left. Haran died. You with me? So Nahor married his deceased brother's daughter. That's confusing. Uh-huh, just keep moving. Don't read, just read past that and don't worry about it. There weren't many choices, so they just married in the family, and that's, that's the way they did it back in them days. Now, Sarah was childless, which is Abram's wife, 
was, was not able to have any children. And Terah took his son Abram. Now, this is important. Terah, the father, took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, the one who died, right? And his daughter-in-law, Sarah, the wife of his son Abram. And together, this is important, they set out from the Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they said, they came to Haran, rather, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, then he died in Haran. Now, here's what's important. Here's a guy who is trying to go to a place that God has put in his, in his mind. This is Abraham. His father, Terah, decides to go with him to the promised land. But that was not God's plan. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. That was not God's plan. Mm. So they're starting out in a place called Ur. Now, how many of you, what was the first place we fought a war in in the Middle East? Saddam Hussein. What place was that? No, not Saudi Arabia. The other place. Iraq. Right? So in that part of the world, you have this guy coming from that part of the world. And you see this guy heading toward Canaan, which is where modern-day Israel is. Daddy wants to go with him. That's not God's plan. Have you ever had somebody go with, want to go with you someplace and it wasn't your plan? They kind of invited themselves along on the trip. That's why now you don't mention your vacations. <laughs> oh, we free that week. I, 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 I ask you, were you free? So anyway, they, they go. Abraham's father had Abraham 70 years old, and Abram's father died, watch this now, at 205 years old. So remember, he had him at 70. He lives to be 205 years old. And I want you to listen to the statement I'm going to make. God often is delayed in his plans for us because he's waiting for us to get ready to launch. Abraham left, his, left home, left his father, at 135 years old in Haran and went to Canaan. Abraham left home at 135 years old. Watch this. I'm sorry, when his father was 135 years old. Abraham was 75 years old when he made his life-changing decision to leave his family and move to a new place of opportunity. It took 75 years to get him to leave home. Every time I read that, I, I'm stunned. But, but it makes it more interesting to me is, how long has God been waiting for me to start? How long has he been waiting for you to give your life to Christ? How long has he been waiting for you to change? How long has he been waiting? It's a powerful thought. And I never thought of Abraham that way, but it's amazing. You almost want to say, that's late. But that's how long it took to get him to leave his father. His father was a hundred and some years before he even left his father. It's amazing. Now, there are a few things I want you to think about with me. And I want you to think about three or four things that are really important. God's plan was for this guy to become famous. That was God's plan. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household. Whose household? To the land I will show you. I will make you into, watch this now, a great nation. This is God's plan. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. 
And then he says, you will not only be a blessing for you, but it's going to be a blessing to other people. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth shall be blessed through you. So I'm not going to just bless you, but I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. This is an amazing promise. But this cannot happen at home. You have to leave where you are to receive this. Look at verse 4. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Uh-oh, family. Sometimes there's just one thing you take along with you that caused you problem for years. Next week we'll talk about that. He takes Lot with him, and the Bible says Abraham was, Abram rather, was 75 years old. But verse 5 says it's an interesting thing. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, and listen to the statement. All the, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had, they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Now, I want to tell you something that's very important. Abraham was not broke. Say that with me, please. Come on. Abraham was not broke. This was a guy who loved God. This is a guy, again, going to the promised land, but he did not ever have in the Bible a financial issue. There's no record of Abraham having a financial issue. He understood, I need to make money. He understood that I need to have cattle. I, and he had servants. He had staff. You're going to see he had an army. He had his own little private army because people was crazy back in that day. They, they take your stuff. And, and you're going to see in our next study that they took other people's stuff, but they didn't mess with Abraham's stuff. You know why? Because they was doing karate and jujitsu in the front yard. And, they, and everybody knew we may mess with this brother, but not that brother. Abraham was practical. You know what bothers me about religious people? You're not practical. You save and sanctify, but you don't think right. You love God, but you're not practical. You don't take care of your body, your mind, nor your money. And that's why you can't do anything but complain or pray. And you say, oh, let's pray. The Lord said, no, you need to give. You need to have something. If I see a need, I want to be able to meet that need. If I see somebody struggling, I want to be able to reach in my pocket and help. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. Abraham was not the kind of guy who had to always pray for a miracle. There's no record of him praying for a financial miracle in the Bible. There's no record of him praying for anything. He was in shape. You'll see that too. This was a true example of God's vision. What I like about him is he's down home in Rio. So he took his wife, he got his nephew, they all go, and they got a bunch of stuff. Now watch what happened. I, I noticed in Genesis chapter, chapter, chapter 12, God did not do for Abraham what he planned to do for him until he'd made the journey. Abraham had to travel a certain distance, the Bible said in verse 6. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moriah at Shechem. At the time of, of the Canaanites were in the land. Now, what's important is, notice the miracle, the blessing, the opportunity doesn't come until he makes the trip. Sometimes it's not until you make the trip, get in the car and drive there, make an effort that the blessings come. It's not until Abraham had built the altars, and this is one of the most profound places. In my early freshman year in, in theology study in, in Bible college, I remember one of the big points. We had a class called um, Bible History, and, uh, and, and they, they went through this great point to say, this was a guy who got to the promised land, and the first thing he did when he got there, he traveled there, he built an altar to honor God. And here's what they said. When you build an altar in your house, wherever it is, 
That's the place you meet God. Find a place in your home that's your altar where you say, this is where I meet you, God. And listen to what the Bible said. This is important. The Lord, the Bible said, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built, guess what, another altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the south. Now, what's interesting is here's a guy who is committed to building altars, committed to walking in the promise of God. Here's the question. Are you moving? Or is God waiting on you? Are you making a step? Now, if I don't say anything else today, I've said enough for you to think about. Sometimes the big issue is you're not thinking about the right question. Every day I'm saying, God, am I moving? Every moment I get a chance, I, when I hear a revelation or a truth, I stop and build an altar. This God, I heard you today. I heard your promise to me. You said my name would be great. You said that I would have children, even though my wife does not have any children. She's 70, she's 60, 65 at the time. But I believe, come on, say, I believe, I believe. God, has God has a plan for my life. But believe it or not, he's waiting for you to get past some things. He's waiting for you to get past some distractions. What has you distracted? What has you parked? Is it anger? Is it frustration? Is it fear? I don't know what it is. But next week we'll discover it. Stand on your feet. That message was too short. If I talk long, you just go to sleep. <laughs> I, I, I listen to preachers, and sometimes I say, you know, they, they left 15 minutes ago. The whole room left. If you can think of one thing, if you can see the image, is God waiting on me to make a move? Is God waiting? on me to get past this drinking thing that's got me found, this anger in my heart. Is God waiting on me? I desire to free you, but you're so busy looking for love, you don't love yourself. Is God waiting for me? Law was an investment distraction. So much was invested in him, God couldn't bless Abraham. He had insecurities. Tried a shortcut with a little baby called Hagar. You remember that story? God said, wait. He said, no. The wife said, no. Lord, my prayer for all of us is that we leave here and see that image of the guy. Watch. Is God waiting on us? Father, I pray for people today we're in a waiting season. Who's in a waiting season right now? You're in some season. You're waiting for God to do something for you. Raise your hand. Let me see. Let me see. Put your hands up high. Let me, see. let me pray. I would call you to the altar, but time won't permit. Let me just pray for you. 
Father, I pray for all those who are waiting, those who are home waiting, those who are in this building. Jabari, I see you. We're praying for you. Margaret, we're praying for you. We're praying as you sit home. Katia, I see you. I know you're home. We're praying wherever you are that God's grace, as you wait for God, that his hand would be with you. But Father, I pray for all of us. Now, every hand lifted. Every hand lifted. Father, we pray that we would surrender today and you would not have to wait one more day for us to respond to you. And we declare it in Jesus' name. Every hand down, every head bowed, one final prayer. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, God's waiting on you. You've never given your life to Jesus, but you know you need to. I want you simply to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you right where you're standing, even if you're home. Raise your hand so I can pray for you, Seth. I know God's waiting on me to come to him. God's waiting for me to give him my life. Just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you back there. I see you. God bless you. Father, I pray for those who raise their hands and those who raise their hearts, both here and at home. May this be the moment they give Jesus their life. May this be the moment that their hearts open. We thank you and praise you for the hand of God upon them. Would you all pray this prayer? Say, Father, today I release you to work in my life. I don't want you to have to wait on me another day. I surrender my life to you. I trust you. I surrender my resources my time, my attitude, and my faith in Jesus' name. Amen.